So welcome, Lambert. Thank you for taking time to join us on uh, Yoga Off the Mat. We appreciate your time. Not a problem. I'm glad to be here. Yeah. So Lambert and I met in 1999. Wow. That's <laughs> when I was asked. <laughs> that is just, I was trying to go backward in years and came up with 1999. So um, one of my, my biggest memories on our initial meeting, I think it was our initial meeting, we may have met before, was a family dinner. I had recently started dating Larry, who is now my husband, and had his family over for dinner. And I met Lambert, who was dating Larry's daughter. And, and I, had been, I had been dating her for eight years, so. Oh, yeah. Or, well, seven, I guess seven years at that time. Okay, so you knew the family really well by I that I knew the time. family really well. <laughs> and his biggest piece of advice to me was to save myself, to run, <laughs> and I think <laughs> to get out while I still had the chance. I think um, that kind of put us both on the same team. <laughs> you know, you need an ally sometimes. <laughs> Yoga Off the Mat is a podcast about life and all of its blunders, bloopers, and blissfulness. Yoga is not a sequence of pretzel shapes that we practice on the mat. It's an intentional lifestyle. I'm your host, Teresa Macy, certified yoga therapist, yogini, licensed massage therapist, and quite possibly certifiably nuts about this crazy, beautiful world we live in together. Join me on this journey of life through conversations and connections. Welcome to the real life world of yoga at Yoga Off The Mat. Wherever we're going, I could not say for sure. And ever since then, um, we have just spent so much time doing a whole variety of different types of outings and camping and really getting to know each other from different perspectives, from relatives and common interests of camping and being outdoors to even mindfulness. And that's really why um, what motivated me. A while back, you had asked me about some mindfulness techniques that you might use in your classroom. And I was wondering if you could tell us about, uh, about that. I know that you've been both a high school math teacher, a middle school math teacher, and you've also taught online for over 10 years now. <clears throat> um, so yeah, when you I, do a lot of I do a lot of teaching. <laughs> And hopefully by the time we're done here, we will have all learned something really special from you as well. I was going to say, so yeah, um, honestly, you know, after a lot of years of teaching, um, I mean, I started teaching in 1997. Um, and my first few years were really great. I was at a private school. Um, the kids were just fantastic. But moving to a public school, uh, there just seems so much more pressure um, in school and so much more going on. You know, at the private school, it was small. There weren't that many people. Uh, when you were changing classes, it was no big deal. Um, but when I got to, to public schools, it really, there was a lot going on in the hallways. Um, and then, you know, with you being a, a yoga teacher and um, all that kind of stuff. And always talking to um, my children and, and my wife about what you're doing and, and the stuff that you're doing. 
got me really thinking about my students when they come in um, and why were some of them always failing? No matter what I did, no matter what connection I made, there was always students that were failing. That were always, you know, after uh, we'd start class and stuff, they'd be like, ah, you know, I really have no clue what we're doing, but we've been doing it for half an hour now. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I, I got to thinking, you know, why is that? And then I got to thinking of what goes on in the hallways and what happens in middle school children's lives. Um, you know, we don't like to admit it, but there's bullying and there's, um, you know, kids making fun of other kids. And there's just nowadays um, just tons of stuff going on at home. And so I started watching the kids come into my classroom. And, you know, some of them would come in and they'd be okay. And some of them would come in and, they, and they'd be frantic and you, and you couldn't get them calmed down or they didn't, you know, there was no time really to calm them down. Uh, so I said to myself, what can I do to help calm them down? And, and really it, it helps me too, because as they're coming in, if it's noisy and stuff, I can't get done the attendance and, and checking the work that they did. Um, so I decided, hey, why don't I try a little bit of mindfulness? So that way when they come in, they start to sit down and when they're sitting down, they get everything out. And, but while they're getting it out, they're not continuing whatever was going on in the hallway or continuing with whatever drama was happening. Um, you know, I like to leave the drama at the door. And that's what I would tell kids, leave the drama at the door. When you come in here, it's a drama free zone. Don't want none of that. So it wasn't mandatory for the students to do it. I mean, you can't make it mandatory, mm -hmm. but it was mandatory that they were at least quiet during the time. And I found um, on YouTube, just some really nice, quiet and kind of meditative music. Uh, so the kids would walk in, the lights would be off, the music would be playing, um, just to start trying to get them to focus on, okay, where am I? What am I doing? Let me relax. Let me come in. Let me get rid of whatever anxiety that I have so that I can pay attention in class. Um, and it really, I was doing it on a daily basis and then COVID hit. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you had the space created before they ever came in. You had put on the music, dimmed the lights a little bit. So as soon as they made that entrance into the space of the classroom, it was already set up as a different environment than the hall. Yeah, I, I, I wanted that so that when they walked in, they knew, okay, now it's time to let whatever was going on in the hallway, this kid was chasing me or we were playing tag in the hallway or whatever it happened to be. Mm -hmm. I was arguing with my friend. Um, I wanted that space so that as soon as they walked in, they knew, okay, now it's time to come sit down, let go of whatever it was that was bothering me. Um, and I, you know, after the kids would come in and they'd get their stuff out, um, I would tell them, you know, if, if you'd want it this time, uh, please, you know, just close your eyes, um, listen to the music, just clear your head of, of whatever's going on, sit back and relax for a minute or two, just let the music play through. I, I enjoyed it. It, it. it allowed me to do the same thing. So as I was going through, I wasn't like, hey, stop talking. Hey, you got to be quiet. It was, I was being calmed down because, you know, in teaching, 
um, as the period gets close to the end and the kids start moving and stuff and you're just keeping everything going, it can be stressful. Yeah. Um, so I found it was really good for me and for them uh, so that as they came in, they were de-stressing and I was de-stressing from the period before. So if I had a rough period, it gave me time to calm myself and get a better outlook for the students that were coming in and not carry any of that baggage from the last class and, and let it out on, on the class that came in. So everybody came into your classroom knowing that it was going to be a new start to their day, that the beginning was when they walked in. Do you have any um, stories or any, any student or situation that really sticks out in your mind as being transformational or um, having an impact that you could, that was extremely noticeable? I think there was more of it when I looked at it, I think there was more of an impact in my afternoon classes. So the morning classes weren't too bad because, you know, the school had just begun. Um, they hadn't gone through lunch yet. Uh, <laughs> lunch is always one of those periods that gets the kids. Uh, I mean, if you, if you teach in a school, you know that most of the fights, most of the drama, it happens in that lunchroom. <laughs> that, that's, that's a tough spot. Um, so in the afternoon person. classes, uh, I had a lot of kids that just seemed to come in and they were, just out of it. Um, and I did, I, you know, there was, I think there was about three students who really, I saw a change in a, as we were going through. Um, one of them was, uh, you know, he was off the wall anyway. Um, but when he would come in in the afternoon and, and after sitting there, you know, uh, and we were doing it after he started to actually participate and close his eyes and stop trying to talk to everybody around him, I noticed that he focused a little bit more and that his grades started to get a little bit better. Yeah. Um, which I thought was fantastic that, you know, he finally, when he bought into it, when he said, okay, Mr. Liebel's doing this every day. I keep trying to talk to somebody when he's doing it, but now <laughs> let me um, participate. <laughs> um, that he started to be more ready for the class. All his stuff was out, you know, he wasn't worried about what was going on. Um, and it's still, you know, he was one that liked to talk to me about uh, different stuff. We had an interest in cars. Um, oh, yeah. I, I like British cars. Um, and my British car is called a midget. And he did midget racing, which really aren't the same type of car. But I mean, he did car racing, um, midget car racing. And so he made that connection with me about that. But he always wanted to, as soon as he came in, wanted to blah, 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 you know, but this gave him a chance to relax. And then at the end of class, we always had time that he could tell me about whether he was racing this weekend or how well he did over the weekend and that kind of stuff. Um, so that was one um, success story that I had. And another one was a student who always had to be the center of attention. Smart young man, but he just needed to be the center of attention. No matter where I put him, could be at the back of the room, the front of the room, just always the center of attention. But at that point when we started and he started again to participate, because like I said, you can't force people to participate in something like this. They've got to want to. And, and that's the only way that's really going to be beneficial to them. When he started to participate, I noticed that he started to look for less attention in the class. So he was getting all the attention he wanted outside. But when he came in here and he could just calm himself down from that attention, uh, he started to focus a little bit more in class, which was nice. So you made the offering 
went ahead and did it for those who were ready at the time. And some of the students who may not have been open to the idea immediately started to maybe trickle in and say, well, if we're doing this, I might as well try it. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, I can tell you for the first, for the first probably two weeks, I didn't have many that were participating. Mm -hmm. um, you know, as I looked around the room, you could tell that they were just looking at each other. Like some of them would giggle <laughs> about the music being on um, and that kind of stuff. And then slowly, you know, more and more started to participate. And um, I'm actually looking forward to getting back into the building with a full class of students. Um, so that I can go back to utilizing um, this and calming the kids down when they come in. Um, especially now I'm, I'm teaching, that was, I was teaching seventh graders last year. Now I'm teaching eighth graders and, and some of them are really starting to um, stress out about their schoolwork and that kind of stuff. And I think it's just a good, all right, let's take a break here. No stress, relax yourself a little bit type of thing. Yeah. You mentioned earlier and then COVID struck. So I imagine that when um, COVID appeared, you became a virtual teacher, that the children weren't in the classroom. Well, they're a little bit older. You have eighth graders. But were you able to find a way to kind of bring mindfulness into that virtual environment or did that kind of go to the wayside for a bit? It went to the wayside because when, when our school went virtual in the spring, um, it was asynchronous. So I wasn't able to talk to the kids and I wasn't really there with the kids. Um, they were just, I would post the assignments, they would do them. I would contact them. Hey, you're not doing your assignment, but there was no zoom meetings. There was no zoom classes. And then even this year when we started on zoom, I don't know, I didn't feel because they weren't in the hallway and they weren't, there wasn't that level of stress that they have in the building. Yeah. So I didn't really feel like it was something that was going to be beneficial though, you know, thinking back at it, I think it might've actually been to maybe catch their attention and say, okay, what do you know, Mr. Liebel's doing this. Why is he doing this? And then, you know, cause when kids are at home and they don't <laughs> get out of bed to, to, to do their classes and they just fall right back asleep on you. <laughs> yes. I can relate to that. Um, you've known me for a long time. Mornings are not my best time. However, it is my best time physically, but it's a very, very mental time for me. I get an awful lot of work done um, in those early hours, but um, in the same way that that mindfulness had to come into some of the work you were doing, although I get a lot accomplished, I also have recognized that if I do it in bed, and I get up later, even though I've worked for two hours before I start moving around, somehow I still feel like I lost half of the day. It's, it's a hard transition to say, I just got out of work for two hours. So um, those little mindfulness touches and reminders of what's actually going on are um, really helpful. Do you have any practices of your own that aren't focused on your students that are your own mindfulness practices? Um, I, you know, throughout the day, I stop and, and I take a moment. Right now, we, we have some kids that are actually back in the building and we have some kids that are at home. Um, and when kids leave my class, I have to sanitize the seats that they were in before the next kids come in 
two minutes later. Um, so there's, it, it's very stressful at the end of a class to get the kids out, to get everything wiped down and to get the new kids in and have them um, wait. So a lot of times I'll make the kids that are there just wait out in the hall. I'll tell them, look, the seats are still a little wet. And then I'll come back into my room and I'll relax myself and I'll just breathe. Um, and I'll just clear my mind saying, you know, I know what needs to get done, but right now I need to just take a minute. Otherwise I'm going to be stressed out during the class. Um, so I, I, I still practice not with the music, um, but I still practice just like taking those deep breaths and relaxing myself so that when the kids come in, I'm ready to go with, with the new class. Uh, even though there was so much going on and starting to get me uh, stressed out with the, with the last class. I have uh, some similar stories to way that I kind of balanced myself between things. I spent 23 years in a dental office, which, um, and then as a massage therapist, which has that same transition space of having to take what was previously used by a patient slash client clean everything, disinfect everything, and then reset up the space for the next person coming in. And it became, for me, um, very much the same thing, a mindful practice. It was ritualistic in that it's always the same. It was done over and over again. And I started to add things in, like uh, when I would clean my massage room, uh, people would say, they would come in with whatever it was they had to shed, whether it was physical pain or mental pain or anguish or emotional stuff. And occasionally in body work, people will have emotional releases and they would talk about it and say, oh, I'm sorry, I'm dumping all my stuff on you. And I said, oh, it's fine, leave whatever you want because at the end of your session, I roll all the sheets inside out, roll them up and anything either of us left here energetically goes in the wash before it goes back on the table. So it, it was a small thing, but it became very ritualistic for me to kind of um, clear and cleanse not only the equipment, but the space and re-prepare me to leave that last patient behind and be prepared for the next. So- And, and it's really weird that, you know, after all these years of teaching and never had to really clean up after the kids like that. Um, though I can tell you my floor is probably the cleanest it's ever been because <laughs> there's not many students <laughs> coming into the building and they're not leaving and stuff. Um, but cleaning up, you're right. Um, you know, it is kind of ritualistic. And uh, I have people always say, you know, do you need help clean it? Nope, I'll do it. Thank you very much. Let me, I, I have my system down, how I wipe everything down, um, how I have the kids leave it. So yeah, I, I, I totally understand. Um, that it's, it, it's just a way to get ready for the, the next class coming in and, and to, to get rid of whatever frustrations that I had. Um, you know, the in-school kids, it's great because they're back in school, but then you got those kids that are on, on the, the video and you're calling their names and they're not answering. <laughs> uh, so at the end of, at the end of a class, you got to let that go and say, okay, I'm, the cl next class is going to be better. Got to relax, yeah. you know. And, and, and to show up for them. I remember um, when I was talking to another gentleman who had young children and he was saying, you know, I'm really struggling with, you know, am I doing this right? Am I doing it wrong? It, you know, there's no guide for parenting. There's no guide for, you know, real guide for teaching. 
And we had this discussion and it kind of ended up in, you know, 90% of the success is just showing up, right? So with that ritual of getting rid of whatever is lagging from whatever previous stressors there are, just getting rid of them clears that space to just be present and show up. I know that you also love the outdoors a lot. Uh, uh, yes, I a, do. <laughs> <laughs> you are a walker. You, you go out for that time. Um, so, you know, the weather is cold. And I know that some days I have Siva, my dog. So um, we have our walks every day and it kind of sets the tone for how my day looks. And sometimes if it's raining or way too cold and those, those walks are cut short, I feel it throughout the day. So uh, is your walking, like what is the motivation? Is it mental? Is it emotional? Is it physical? Um, it started out being physical. My knees were giving me a lot of issues because just, I, I never really stretched them. Like as a teacher, you walk a lot in your room, but it's short and it's not, you're not really just stretching your legs. Um, so it started out as physical. I just wanted to, you know, my knees were bothering me. I wanted to just exercise them more, but, you know, going out early in the morning and I go out really, you know, 5.30, between 5.30 and six o'clock. So it's usually always pretty dark. Um, and the cold doesn't bother me. The water does. If it's raining, yeah, I agree with you. I don't, I don't even go out in the rain. I just, up. Oh, I get another half hour of sleep and go back to bed. Um, but it, it started out as a physical thing, but I enjoy it in the mornings. It's, it gets my, like you said, it gets your day going, um, but it allows me to just think. Mm. And, you know, I have that private time. I can just think. And if I'm talking to myself, it doesn't really matter. There's nobody around. Nobody wants to be outside <laughs> that early or in that cold. But I, I can just, you know, start my day and say, okay, what is it that I know that I need to get accomplished today? Where am I at and what I need for the week? Um, you know, and then when I miss it, it does affect my day. My day is a lot different. Um, you know, when I don't have to go into work ever since COVID started, I've been kind of skipping on my walks. So like, if I don't have to go into work, I'm like, Oh, I can just stay in bed for a little bit more. I'll get up and, and do my walk a little bit later. And then I end up getting up and then the kids are getting up. Uh, my son's a very early riser. <laughs> Um, so if he's getting up, then it's kind of like, okay, my walk is done. And then I, you know, I talk with him for sometimes hours on end. He just, if nobody's awake, he will talk to me for two hours straight. Just let me know everything that's going on in his life. It's a fantastic thing. Um, but you know, I, it does change my day. It's a very, it's a very mental and physical thing now to go out on that walk. Um, it, it just, my day just seems a lot different. Um, and you made the comment earlier about when you, you know, stay in bed and do your work, when you get out, you're like, oh my gosh, it feels like, well, when I stay in bed and I don't do my walk, uh, I get out of bed and I'm like, oh my gosh, I feel like the day is almost done. Um, <laughs> yeah. Isn't it kind of amazing that both of us can look at it and say, we know that this thing really sets up the tone for our day. We know that it makes a huge impact, but yet it appears that it's so easy to let it go to the wayside when something interrupts the routine until we really like sit back and, and refocus and say, okay, why have I given up this 
this, this me time, this time to myself that I know is so impactful on my day, but seems so easy with the right circumstance to let it linger for a while. And then whatever it is, brings it back and say, Oh yeah, I can't do this anymore. (laughs) (laughs) It It is interesting. And I know for me, it started when I didn't have to get up to go into the school building, when that, bro- when that broke my routine, it, it really did just break my walks. Um, I wasn't, mo- you know, I wasn't, I was like, ugh, I'm not motivated to get up early. I can just lay in bed and then roll out and, and I'm right there. I don't have to go into the building. And so, you know, I, I kind of let it go. But this year, even when I was at home, I said to myself, I have to get out mm. and start doing these walks. Um, and it did change my day so, so much. Um, and, and the walks are great for me because sometimes I'll say to myself, oh man, I've been forgetting to do this for days. Cause you know how it is. You, you get into stuff. Um, you know, right now where I'm planning uh, my summer vacation, right? oh. and <laughs> my, my nice long summer vacation. And I just keep forgetting to sit down and say, okay, like two Two, a week and a half ago, I was supposed to have my date set. Uh, and even today, I was changing the dates for my summer vacation because uh, um, I had to make reservations. And the week I wanted to be at a place, they didn't have any openings. Oh. So luckily, I could shift it back a week and get it scheduled. So I had to now shift stuff around in, in my scheduling. Uh, but a lot of times when on my, my walk, those will be the things that pop into my mind. Oh, I got to make sure I do this today. Um, I got to make sure I do that today. Um, and sometimes it gives me just as I'm walking, thinking about what I'm going to do with my students for the day. I'll just something will come into my head and I'll be like, oh, wow, I bet you that'll work really good. Um, it's just sometimes in the morning, there's just a, that clarity of thinking when you're by yourself. Um, and being outside and just getting that fresh air, um, no matter how cold it is, I have uh, I have a whole set of clothes that are just for walking. And depending <laughs> on how cold it is, depends on how many of them I put on. And um, all those layers, yeah, yeah, all those layers. And sometimes I need the layers, and sometimes I say, well, you know, I need to loosen up some of these layers because uh, it wasn't as bad as I thought. But the the walking and and the being able to just think. Yeah. Um, does really help both physically and mentally. You take that a lot into your summer vacation too. You're talking about planning your vacation and uh, where you will be going. I know that you have a nice fifth wheel and you take advantage of the time that you and your family have off to take some long exploratory trips throughout the country um, that are both um that are educational and fun on many levels. You visit a lot of historic sites. I know that your children um, get their badges for completing different places in national parks. Yep, so, the junior ranger badges, yep. Yeah, do you see that taking them out into nature and you know using those types of outings and vacation and family time as impactful, like kind of mindfully on them, teaching them about nature and um, interacting with nature and, and respecting that space? Uh, I think so, definitely. Um, my kids love to be outside in nature. Um, and 
I'm, I'm a water rat. I love being near the water and my children have the same affliction. <laughs> <laughs> Me they, too. <laughs> if, if there's, if there's water around, they don't care what it is. We just, they just want to be in the water. I mean, even now, uh, I mean, it was like 30 some degrees today. And uh, we have a creek that goes through our yard, which um, is one of the reasons we bought the house where we live. It was for the creek and, and being able to be in the creek before we even had kids. Um, but he got wet again. Like every, every weekend he's falling in the creek because they can't stay away from the water. <laughs> yeah, for any of our podcast listeners who also um, follow me on any of my visual medium, They've seen many pictures of your creek through the month of December because we were lucky enough to park our, our, our RV in your driveway and spend a good deal of time with you and your family outside. Don't tell your children I told you this, but they do go across and up that hill on the other side. It's a secret. <laughs> oh, I, I, I knew that. <laughs> <laughs> they think you don't. <laughs> um, I mean, even... When we first moved in, I would go across the creek and go up there because it's really cool up there. <laughs> I know there's a tree up there that you can see from your side of the creek looking up that must have um, maybe a deer or something that's rubbing its head against one of the trees because you can see all the markings from a good distance away um, of how the tree is, how the deer, I assume it's a deer, is interacting with the tree. Maybe, um, uh, just scratching its head. Maybe it's a bear. Do you have bears? off its antlers, yeah. 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 So you, you mentioned your son and how he'll talk to you for hours at a time, that he just really wants his time with you. But you also do a ton of things. Not only, uh, I did specifically say your son, and I know that the same holds true for your daughters, but being with you at times, I've noticed that when one and or any of them start to get a little anxious or riled up or bored of being at a campground, you are right there teaching them some of the mindfulness tools that you use, such as walking and having that time for your space. I've seen you say, okay, come on, let's go. Even uh, I remember seeing one night, it was dark out and you're like, yeah, you don't need that flashlight. As soon as we go out walking with the moon and the stars, there'll be enough for us to see where we're going. And you took them out kind of exploring, but also, not um, also by not bringing that light, by really asking them to rely on their senses, both their hearing and the sight in the dark, to navigate and find some stillness. One of the one of the things that really bothers me on camping trips is people who use flashlights. Um, I, I don't know whether it was just as a kid I really didn't want the light or or what it was, but for years, I don't, I don't even carry a flashlight with me when I go out at night. Um, I just rely on my own senses, my eyes, my ears, you know, let my eyes adapt to whatever light is there. And my kids are flashlight. I mean, kids love flashlights. Yeah. They really do. I mean, they're, they're the biggest toys. Um, but, you know, with a flashlight, they're always also not, as kids, pointing it to the ground. It's up, it's around, it's hitting you in the face. Um, so, yeah, I, I, and I never thought of it as a mindfulness thing about that, just that quietness and just letting the, the calmness of the dark. Because when you have a light that's flashing through the, the, the night, it, it really is distracting to you. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but if you don't have that and you're just walking and you're listening to what's going on around you, um, it is kind of just peaceful. And then you can look up at the stars. Um, and that's something that, you know, I enjoy with my, with my children at night when we're out. Um, just looking up at the stars and saying, hey, you know, look at that constellation or, you know, what's that? Do you think that is? Um, and just looking at the different constellations and just sitting there and relaxing. Uh, with them and letting them just ponder the, the vastness of the of the universe and the, the stars that are above us and just the the calmness that's around us um, when we're when we're camping it's just very nice to get away from the hustle bustle of everyday life um, you know they're in school and I'm at work and then they're out playing and I'm working around the house. And, and so the family time that we do get to spend um, when we can slow down and do stuff. And uh, one of the things that I've done with my children uh, is I've introduced them to fishing mm-hmm. because it is one of my, one of, one of my passions is just fish. And to me, it doesn't matter if we catch anything. It's just out there to fish. You put your line out and you just relax and you're just with nature um, and, and you can just enjoy whatever the beauty of the, of the again, the water. The water, yeah. Uh, the beauty of the water, the, the sounds uh, of the birds in the sky. Um, now they like to catch fish every once in a while. So I always try to find a place where they can. Um, but they're all very, very good at sitting down and, and fishing for a while. Um, if they're not catching anything, then yeah, they get up pretty quick. But if they're catching something and they can sit there for, I mean, we've fished for hours, um, just enjoying the, the time together, uh, talking about the fish we caught, talking about how, how we're going to get the next one, um, running out of bait and saying, okay, what can we do now that we've run out of bait? Um, Very special one, one time. time we were, yeah, one time we were fishing and we ran out of bait and we were back at the campsite and I said, okay, so I'm going to show you guys a little trick that I picked up when I was a kid. Um, I said, you see all those leaves over there? And they're like, yeah. I said, well, let's go turn them over. And we started just brushing the leaves with our feet and all of these, you know, we were kicking up and all these worms are just in that, that leaf area, those damp leaves. Um, and they're like, Oh. <laughs> where do all these worms come from? They're, they're always right there. You just got to know when, where to look for them. When where you to need find them. them. Yeah. 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 So. Those little nuggets, you just have to know where to look at, look for them. Um, so I want to just go back to your students for just a minute before we kind of wrap up here. Have any of your students um, approached you or, said anything to you about the mindfulness techniques that you used at the beginning of the class? I know you said that some of them just kind of took it in their own time and, you know, joined in as it felt appropriate, but have any of them ever given you feedback of it from their perspective? At at the beginning, um, a lot of them asked, why are we doing this? Why are we doing this, Mr. Liebel? And I would say, because when you guys come in, there's so much going on that you can't focus in my class. And, you know, all I'm asking you to do is just take some time and to get your focus back. I'm not sure if, I don't think anybody ever came up to me and said, wow, Mr. Liebel, that was great. But you could see when some of them walked in that, ah, good, now it's time. 
I can let go of some of this. And, and, you know, you could see on their faces from the time they walked in till after we were done that their face just totally changed and they were a lot calmer than when they walked in. Um, so I don't, like I said, I don't think any of them really said, you know, Hey, Mr. Liebel, this is great. Thanks for doing it. But if I did forget, like if I was busy um, and I did forget, I did have a few come in and say, Mr. Liebel, where's the music? Okay. <laughs> I'd be like, Oh, turn off the lights. Let's get the music on. Um, because, you know, sometimes again, stuff happens to, to even us as we're in the between classes. So if I got a call from another teacher asking me a question, sometimes I wouldn't get over to put the, put the music on and they'd come in and they'd be like, well, where's the music today? Oh, you know, let me get to it. Or sometimes I hate to admit it, but my computer was charging um, and it had died on me because I always forget to plug it in. <laughs> and so I'd be like, I don't have the music today, guys. And they'd be like, oh, oh. so there was yeah. never any, hey, this is great. But you could know that some of them really did enjoy coming in and just having that little bit I think it was no more than five minutes at the beginning of class to just relax themselves and to get ready for whatever we were going to do that day. Yeah, I am both a massage therapist and a yoga therapist, but I'm also um, a teacher, but I teach adults for continuing education. Um, and I remember when I started to incorporate uh, meditation and mindfulness into my anatomy classes, um, and my continuing education classes. It was something that was unexpected because it wasn't already there. It wasn't something that was normal for people to start their, their continuing education class with a 10 minute meditation. And one of my very favorite um, students and friends came up to me after and she says, that was pretty amazing. She took a long immersion with me and um, her feedback was it really set her up for learning and how much she really enjoyed it and she asked, so what's going to happen if people are coming to your classes and they really don't like this as a style? And my answer was, I guess they're not going to register for my classes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it came to the point where it was like, you know, you have to um, make some decisions on how you show up, where you're going to show up in the world, how you're going to do that. And we all have a teacher. Everybody who's listening has a teacher. I have teachers from when I was young in school. And honestly, there's some whose names I don't remember anymore. I'm a bit older than you, but I do have teachers whose names I don't remember. Or I remember something about them, but not necessarily um, all the specifics. But then there's teachers who have made a huge impact that in ways that we just don't forget them that something happened at that time, maybe it's our age or something specific that that individual said that just struck us so deep in our core that it stays with us and kind of informs um, our lifestyle. So I imagine since you're, I don't know a whole lot of teachers yet um, that tell me they start their classes with mindfulness in the way that you do. Um, so I imagine that at some point in time, you'll be at some reunion of some class that graduated, maybe much older than you are now. <laughs> well, definitely much older <laughs> than you are now. Um, with somebody coming back about this experience. Uh, you know, I hope so. Um, I mean, I already have some of them come back. I had actually a student that I had when I taught high school. Um, years later, we were having work done at our house. 
Um, and he showed, and he was, he was there. He, um, his dad actually owned the company that was pouring our concrete. And um, he said, man, Mr. Liebel, I didn't believe you when you told me I was going to use that geometry you were teaching <laughs> me, but I use a lot of it now and, and what I do. Uh, and, he, and, you know, basically thanked me for just being there and telling him, hey, guys, you know, you might not think so, but at some point you may have to use this stuff. Um, just get a good foundation in it now and it'll be easier later on. And I hope that, you know, when I teach my kids, I like to tell them, you know, hey, look, you, math is something that doesn't go away. Um, you know, I, I get them in middle school and, and my goal in middle school is just to say, you're going to do this every year for the rest of your career in, in high school and then in college, you're going to do the same math we're doing now. Let's take the time together now to get a good foundation. That way, as you go on, everything else is easier. One of the things that I've noticed and fits in with that conversation, what I've noticed about you, um, what I really respect about what I know about you is that you inspire people to, to reach beyond what they think they can do, but you also hold them accountable right? There isn't, no, there isn't an easy excuse that says, I can't do this. You are encouraging, you um, bring people up, you raise them up with you, but you also hold them accountable to do what it is that they're supposed to do without a whole lot of um, excuses, but in a very compassionate and encouraging way. One of, one of the things I found when I first came to public school I had a group, uh, first class that I, that, that I taught, there was a group of, it was a group of seniors um, and it was consumer math. It was, it was just, it was, hey, these kids need a credit in math. Let's get them through. And, and I remember one of the veteran teachers in the district coming to me and saying, don't expect these kids to do much work. Don't give them much work. Try, try to avoid giving them homework. And I looked at him and I said, why? All these kids can do what I'm asking them. All these kids need to be able to put in the effort. Why wouldn't I ask them to do just a little bit mm -hmm. and, and not take the easy road out? Yeah. So you put the challenge in front of them. I put the challenge in front of them. Um, and to this day, you know, I, I think that challenging the kids and saying, you know, even when they come to me, one of my, one of my favorite things um, to tell a kid when they come to me and say, I can't do this, I tell them, if you keep thinking like that, you're right, you can't do it. Mm -hmm. But I know you can do it. So let's work on the, I can do it, I'm just struggling. And let's see where we're struggling. Um, I, I think that it, once a student says, I can't, then you're right. You can't do it until you decide that you're going to change the way you're thinking and say, yeah, I can do it. It just may take me a little longer. And can I get the help? Mm -hmm. So I asked you earlier if you brought mindfulness into your virtual teaching and when, when COVID came, did you bring it into that classroom? And you said that you did not. But if we flip that around and didn't make it specifically, I did this turning down the, the lights and adding music, but reframed that mindfulness in, I was open to the fact that we needed change. 
I knew I was showing up. I didn't sit around saying, oh no, we're going virtual. We want to be back in school. This is going to be terrible. This is going to be awful. Instead, you said, this is the situation. You approached it with an open mind. And I think a lot of teachers, when challenged with having to, on a, in a very split second, change everything they did and show up with a new format in a new way, come out of the classroom and into virtual. Um, you were um, fortunate enough that you had 10 years experience, but I understand that you didn't show up saying, this is gonna be horrible, this is gonna stink. Oh no, we just wanna go back to school. We want it the way it was. You walked in and started teaching very much the way you would have if you were standing in front of your students in a classroom. You set up your house as close as you could to look like your classroom setting. And then you came in and did what had to get done. Uh, do you feel like I that's did. mindfulness? In, in a way, yes, it is. It is because it's that adaptiveness, um, not letting the situation dictate what's going on, but you dictate the situation. Mm -hmm. um, to me, it's important. Um, I actually, funny story, just Friday, um, one of my in-class students looked at me and said, Mr. Liebel, you're so good at math. Why don't you teach college instead of us? <laughs> And I said, because I could do much more good here than I could in college. Yes. Here is where I'm needed. Um, and that's the way I look at it. This is where I'm needed to help these kids understand, hey, math is not this horrible thing. It honestly is the same stuff. Once they get to sixth grade, they really do. 75% of what they do from sixth grade on is the same stuff every year. Okay. And once they realize that and they can see I'm doing this over and over again, and they realize that, oh, a lot of this is just a pattern, then they can become better at it and hopefully someday get into whatever it is they want to get into. So the way I t teach when I'm teaching meditation is that meditation is a pattern. And so math is very much like you had just mentioned, it's patterns. And when we come to our mindfulness practice, you set up a pattern that was recognizable that initially was a little bit of a confusion for the people who were entering your classroom. The lights were dim. Things just changed. The lights were dim. There was music. Um, they were wondering what was going on. But then they came to recognize that this is what happens when you walk into Mr. Liebel's class. You set up a pattern of relaxation and calmness that was recognizable even if it wasn't on a conscious level, that they would walk in and start to feel a difference in the environment. Do you think that's because you understand patterns so well that you kind of were able to fall into this, like this is a pattern that we can rely on, that we understand? Um, possibly, um, <laughs> I, I just knew uh, you know, that if I didn't make it different, it was never going to work. Mm -hmm. That they had to see that this was the time for them to come in and just let go of everything. Mm -hmm. um, and if, it, if they didn't see it and, it and it had to be consistent and it had to go on and it, whether they wanted it or not, 
this is what's going on in this class when you walk in. And so, yeah, I, I guess it would have become, and maybe it is because I'm a patterns person, you know, I see these patterns and stuff that I said, it has to be a pattern. It has to become something that we just do on a, every day and, and continue to do it. And they, you know, unfortunately for them, it was only one period a day. Um, for me, you know, it was all four of my periods uh, in a day. I t- t- teach, f- taught four periods. Now I teach five, uh, but it was all four periods in a day. So I, you know, throughout the day, there was plenty of time for me to just calm down and watch for my health and not yes. get overstressed. <laughs> Well, that was fantastic. Is there anything else that I maybe did not ask you about that you think is important about your interactions with your students or bringing this mindfulness to this small group to begin with? Do you see it expanding through school systems or? um... You know, I honestly, I honestly wish it would. I know that I was um, telling my um, colleagues about wow, you know, I really think that this is doing really well and it only takes five minutes at the beginning of your class um, and it's helped me calm down more so that I'm not bringing uh, the frustration from one class to another. I I felt like I was more ready for the new challenges that came in where I hadn't already, you know, my my threshold wasn't already met. So I, I honestly hope that it does. And, you know, when we hopefully get back into the building, hopefully we'll be able to talk more about it um, with my colleagues and, and see about maybe getting a few on board and doing just mindfulness um, and maybe even mindfulness in the morning for us meeting, you know, right before school starts. Um, and just doing a little mindfulness practice together uh, to get us set for the day. Um, Because a lot of times in the morning, right before the kids come in, that's, it's, how is this day going to go? And and you got to just pull yourself back and say, this day is going to go good. uh, And I just got to relax about it. I have a lot of listeners on the podcast who are mindfulness teachers or yoga teachers, um, health professionals and wellness professionals. Do you see any pathway for or advice for them if they wanted to focus on children in schools? Is there somebody that you would say, you know, this might be a transition we're making. This might be the person that you would contact as your first point of contact in a school district. I think if you were looking to bring mindfulness to your local district or, or to a school or even, even yoga, um, the, physical education teachers um, are really open to that stuff. And they already, some of them do little yoga units with the kids, but sometimes I don't think, to me, it it shouldn't just be a unit. Maybe it's something that they could do for five minutes at the beginning um, and then go into whatever else it is they're gonna do. Not just, you know, okay, today we're doing yoga uh, in our class. Mm-hmm. Um, and they do that for, I don't know, four weeks, maybe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But then they're off to something else. Um, I think uh, just having them understand more of maybe it shouldn't be just a unit, but something that you stretch out throughout the whole year uh, and become a pattern for the kids. 
so that they come in and maybe they do five minutes of yoga before they get into the, the running around or maybe at the end before they leave. Because I mean, at that point, the kids are, um, you know, they've been running around for half an hour or something, maybe five minutes at the end to just bring them down and, and help calm them down and get them ready for the rest of their day. Well, I really appreciate your taking the time to chat with us to help me understand patterns a little bit better. Honestly, I understand the patterns of uh, posture much better than the patterns of math, but that's what makes the world go round. We all find different patterns <laughs> that we attach to. <laughs> but I really do appreciate your time um, and taking, uh, educating us about how you've incorporated this and the benefits to a younger population. You know, there is something that the Dalai Lama says. He says, if we want to find peace um, in the world, teach every five-year-old to meditate and it will take one generation. So for your contributions to that, thank you. Well, thank you for having me. Um, you know, and I, I appreciate it because I really haven't taken much time to think about the mindfulness that I was doing with the kids. Um, and this has really got me thinking about it again, saying, Hey, where can I fit it back in? Maybe I can pull some of these kids out of their, out of their beds and, and have them. All right. Now this is something weird. Mr. Liebel's doing to begin with. And then it becomes a pattern for us and, and maybe get some more focused for the second half of the year. Um, I mean, it's the hardest half of the year because the kids are now looking forward to summer. <laughs> <laughs> you are not too. that I'm not, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, we started with you uh, planning your vacation. So everybody, you know, we got past the holidays. Summer's the next big thing. <laughs> yes, it is. All right. Well, um, I'm happy to chat with you with uh, um, off later on. If there's anything that you need for suggestions to incorporate more mindfulness into some of those programs. I appreciate it. All right. You have a fantastic evening, and um, I will see you very soon. Yep. Have a good night. I would love to stay connected, to stay yoked. Join the Sangha by hitting the subscribe button, sharing your favorite intentional tip, joining me for a class on the mat, or better yet, finding me in nature. This yoga off the mat journey is courtesy of Integrated Natural Health where we connect wisdom and wellness through nature. Make someday your now day. May all of our thoughts be divinely inspired. May all of our words be authentic and true. May all of our hearts be touched with love and joy. And may the time that we devote to our practice of compassion bring peace to all beings. Om Shanti. Namaste. Now that we've arrived here, I would not change a thing. Knew that we'd survive here and all the goodness we would bring. Of this I sing. Everybody swimming in sunshine. Everybody feeling fine. Everybody join the front line. Ain't nobody left behind Everybody swimming in sunshine Everybody feeling fine Everybody join the front line